This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. From the cozy confines of the Matthew Podcast Studio, deep in the heart of Northeast Ohio, amid the COVID-19 virus debacle, welcome back to another episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. It's delightful today, absolutely delightful weather-wise, and I'm grateful for that. We're all grateful for that. I marched around the house with my wife uh, the other day. We looked at both snow shovels. We keep one on the front porch and we keep one on the back deck. And I said to her, can we put these away? And she said, I think we're safe. I think we're safe. We had tornado warnings last night here. (laughs) We kind of slept through them. Woke up several times when thunder and lightning bolts crackled around me. And I thought for a minute that my better half mentioned that one day next week in the 10-day forecast, that there was snow in the forecast. I opted not to hear her. (laughs) So... I'm trusting my instincts that when I take those shovels off the porch and the deck today and put them in the garage, that that will be the end of winter 2019-2020. We can only hope. The other thing I hope for is that you're staying safe and you're staying healthy during the coronavirus. It certainly has been a topsy-turvy world. Uh, a new world order, if you will, in many ways. We'll see how long the new world order continues once the virus dissipates. Time will tell. Will we shake hands again? Will we hug again? Will the plastic screens that are in front of cashiers at supermarkets, will they remain? Will some of these Techniques that we've been using and we've been striving to try to quell the virus and do social distancing, will those become a part of the regular routine? It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. Things are blurry right now. But hopefully you are safe and also grateful that you don't have the virus if you truly don't or if you're not showing signs we may have it we just may not be able to demonstrate the signs or the symptoms of the virus yet but as long as i feel like i don't have it and my wife doesn't have it and you don't have it then we're certainly grateful for that today i was wondering if it might be possible for you to try a little experiment Choose the smallest window in your house and look outside of that window. And try to imagine that what you see outside of that small window encapsulates your world. And even though the internet exists, pretend for a minute that there isn't any internet. That there isn't a Facebook, there isn't a Twitter, there isn't an Instagram. Pretend that it's, say, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And that little window that you're looking at is your world. 
Let's say you're sitting down and you're listening to this and you feel like taking a walk. Normally, you would simply get out of your chair and you would put on a jacket. It was cold or in the event of today being almost 70, maybe no jacket. And you would simply take a walk. You wouldn't think about it. We have counters now that help us count our steps. We assume that we're able to do that. But what if you were unable to get out of that chair? You want to walk, but you can't. Let's say you want to converse with someone. Let's say you pick up a phone. Or if someone walks by, you simply mouth the words and they come out. You want to have a conversation, or you need to have a conversation. What if you were unable to? What if you tried to form the words, and the words came out sometimes as gibberish, that you were hard to understand, that people constantly looked at you as if they didn't understand, or maybe they asked you to repeat it, and even though you repeated it two or three times, it still sounded like the first time that you tried to say that sentence. What if you wanted to work? What if you wanted to earn a living? What if you had a career interest? Or if you just needed to earn money? You would go and do that outside of a pandemic, of course. But what if you were unable to do that? Wonder if you were unable to continue a career to which you aspired. And if you're lucky enough to have a partner, to have a mate, what if you wanted to go over and give them a hug or a kiss? What if you wanted to make love? But what if you were unable to do that? There was simply no way, not being able to walk, not being able to talk, not being able to earn a living, How would you have another person in your life? How would you be able to contribute to that relationship? And if you could, what would that relationship even mean? But that's the world of Stanley Sedmock Jr. That's the world of our cousin, Stanley Champ Sedmock of Thomas, West Virginia. I mentioned in the last podcast episode that I wanted to talk a little bit about my cousin Champ. And I wanted to do that now because it was in late March that he passed away, not due to the coronavirus, but due to a number of ongoing medical conditions. And his death even though expected that it would happen much earlier than what would have normally been expected or anticipated, but still a shock, still shocking. Champ was a year younger than my twin brother and I, which would have made him going on 59 this year. He was the only son 
of my father's youngest brother, who Stanley Sr., we generally refer to as Spank or Uncle Spanky. And his wife, Darlene, who we normally refer to as Aunt Skip, also had a daughter. So Champ had a sister named Pam. And Champ grew up like a lot of boys do in the rural parts of West Virginia. They played sports for their small high school. They hunted, fished. My uncle Spank was a builder and a wood carving artist. But when we would go back to visit every year as children, my uncle Spank was building houses. He built his own house. He was a construction foreman. And Champ would follow him around just about everywhere he went. And not to bore you with a lot of details, but it was later on after playing sports in high school, Champ was uh, a huge fan of football. A huge fan of all sports, but football was his sport. In fact, he even played football for a year at Fairmont uh, College, Fairmont State University in West Virginia. And it was while he was employed as a draftsman for Virginia Power that he first began to notice something was wrong with his walking. And it was over 25 years ago that he was diagnosed with MS. And that disease came on very strongly. And it wasn't too much longer after that diagnosis that he needed the help of a walker. He needed the help of crutches. And later on, he needed to be in a chair full time. And it got to the point where, where Uncle Spank and Aunt Skip couldn't care for Champ any longer at home. And so he had to be placed into an assisted living facility. And the one assisted living facility that seemed to care for all patients who need assisted living and nursing home care is Cortland Acres. And so, for over 20 years, that's where Champ has lived his life. And that disease robbed him not only of his walking, but it robbed him of much of his motor skills for his arms. And more than several years ago, it began to rob him of his ability to speak. So imagine being trapped in your body. That's essentially what he was, trapped. Extremely cogent, wanting to communicate, wanting to talk to us about sports when we go and visit him, wanting to talk about his parents, and knowing that how you want to communicate you can't. And the times that you're able to communicate, 
that much of what you're saying is not going to be communicated. The last couple of years have been particularly hard for him. Because first, his father, his beloved father, who I think he loved more than any person on the planet, became afflicted with dementia. And he himself had to be admitted to Cortland Acres in the last year of his life. And so Champ had to watch his father die at Cortland Acres. So he was trapped inside his body, watching this beloved figure fall apart and disintegrate before his eyes. And it was around that same time period that his mother was afflicted with colon cancer. So in and out of hospitals in the Washington, D.C. area, where Champ's sister Pam lived with her husband, this was while Uncle Spank could still drive, could still drive her. And those diagnoses off and on over the course of several years, becoming worse as the years went on. And, again, making a long story short, his mom having to be admitted to Cortland Acres. And then passing away due to the ravages of her body from cancer. And he, trapped inside his body, watching his mother die, not long after his father died. So, the grief and the mourning that this man had to go through over the past couple of years would probably have been enough for anyone to consider taking their own life. And I know it went through his mind. Even being the devout Catholic that he is, that he was. Some of his Facebook posts were cryptic. So I know that the struggles were intense on so many different levels. Since Champ's passing, I've felt really bad. Last year, I made a lot of visits to Thomas, West Virginia, and to Cortland Acres to visit Champ, but also to put together a documentary film that featured my uncle, who was a Normandy veteran, who was also a resident of Cortland Acres. And when Uncle Bugs passed away, I said to Champ, you know, I think we need to put together a film about you. And I could tell that he was very excited about that. He wanted to tell his story or to have me try my best to tell a portion of his story for him. And he gave me a bunch of binders of photos. And it was really only up until the beginning of last month, before this virus hit, that we were set 
to go back to West Virginia to start the filming of the interview process of the film. And he was really excited to share his story. And then the virus got in the way, and of course, like most nursing homes, they told people that only essential people could be inside, so we had to shelve that portion of the film. So really, up until the day that he died, I had been scanning photos of his story, trying to put together a timeline in my head about how to share this story, what to say about this man. And honestly, I'm still trying to process it because the chronological story of Uncle Bugs and his Normandy tale and his, for want of a better word, his recovery from PTSD was in some ways an easier story to tell because of its chronology. But I felt a different sense about Champ's story. Not so much a biographical story, but a story of someone whose life was essentially robbed. And my grief and mourning, I think, comes more from trying to understand the complexities of a life lived and a faith lived and where that faith comes in. How does it explain this tale of seeming despair of being trapped in your own body and watching both parents perish in front of you? What is that supposed to mean? What meaning are we supposed to derive from this? Why do we consider ourselves fortunate and he doesn't? Why do we get to walk and to talk and to work and to love? And why didn't he get to do that? What does this tale have to tell us about the story of a loving God? And if God is truly involved in our lives, why is he involved in my life and seemingly not involved in his? What did he do to deserve that? And what did I do to deserve this? And should I feel guilty? That I feel gratitude? That I'm not in a wheelchair? Should I feel guilty? That I'm able to talk like this, doing a podcast? Without any obstacle? In driving away each time from those visits, I felt less of who I was supposed to be. I felt nervous to visit. I didn't know how to react sometimes when I couldn't understand what he had to say. Knowing that he wanted, he was trying really hard to make me understand. And the embarrassment I felt at smiling and nodding my head and knowing 
that more than half of what he said to me, I had no idea what it was. And to walk out of that room and to wave goodbye, knowing that I was walking out of that room, going back to my life, and that that was his life. And yes, in later years, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram certainly gave him a way to communicate. But we do these things as a hobby, as a side venture, as a way to pass time. And he used these platforms as a way to live his life. So I would say that my sense of gratitude comes from having known the strength of Stanley Champ Sedmock. And the gratitude comes from, hopefully, being able to take some of this fortitude that he exhibited and the strength and endurance that he had in his life and to make those qualities more magnified in my own life and yes to be grateful for what I have but more importantly hopefully having the courage to be like him in the face of despair and in the face of angst and in the face of danger and in the face of faith catastrophes. I'm sure that my analysis of what his life and death means overall and what it has meant to me and our family will be modified and changed and altered based on my appreciation of him and based on time. But I know that there's still a huge gaping hole and our visits in the future to go back to visit the hometown of my parents will never be the same. And I'm struggling to make sense of that, at least at this time. But I'm grateful for having known my cousin. I'm grateful for being able to be in the same shadow of someone who has endured so much. And I hope that somewhere along the line, I'm going to exhibit that same strength.
Father Fick at the Josephinum at the seminary called it Grace Under Pressure. And I only hope to exhibit a small molecular amount of that. Hopefully replicating just a small amount of what Champ has done his whole life. So hopefully you have been able to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that, of course. Or you can go on to Podbean, which is the host of this podcast, and listen. Or any of the regular large-scale platforms have access to the podcast. It's easiest to subscribe. So when I upload episodes, you'll know exactly when they pop up. So I think I'm going to stand because Champ never could. And I'm going to go for a walk because Champ didn't, wasn't able to. And I'm going to talk and I'm going to say a small prayer and I'm going to, I'm going to talk to Champ and thank him for the example that he set, which is going to be an example that's going to be very, very tough to live up to. Thanks once again for being a part of this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Podcast.